My guest today on Deep CV Diving is London-based Heather Vagdama, the CMO of Walkers, one of the world's leading global offshore law firms. Starting her professional services career as a marketing assistant in a role that I placed her into 22 years ago, we hear in this interview how her career has taken her around the world, from Australia, via Asia, to the UK, and how her pursuit of becoming a CMO was made possible by taking a role in pursuits. How did she get there? Let's dive in and find out. Welcome, Heather. Hello, Graham. It's great to be here. Okay, so let's go to the beginning of your CV, where you studied a management degree with a marketing focus. I'm interested, did it prove useful? It's proved really useful throughout my career. So very early on, I learned all about customer segmentation, various business strategies, and that's been with me throughout my career. The uh, tourism and Japanese elements of my studies didn't quite uh, help me out as much, but uh, the marketing and the business management, definitely. Why was there tourism and Japanese in a, in a management degree? Back in Australia in the 90s, there was a, a, a huge influx of Japanese tourists. Okay. And, um, and it was a really exciting industry to be in. So a sector I'd always wanted to work for. And, and that's where I started off my career, actually, is in tourism and services marketing. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So your first real job. Tell, tell me about your first real job. So it was as a PA in the marketing team of the Melbourne Convention and Marketing Bureau. So they were a destination marketing company trying to attract conferences and tourists into Melbourne um, in Australia. Mm -hmm. I got that role basically because I'd done some volunteer work while I was at university with uh, Ballarat Tourism, which is a a small city in Australia. And um, the director of Ballarat Tourism had moved to Melbourne Convention and Marketing Bureau, was looking for a PA and called me up because he'd been impressed with the work I did during my volunteer stint uh, mm-hmm. working with him. So a really great opportunity for me because I, from very day one of my career, was working with senior leadership in the C-suite and uh, involved in, in strategic meetings and, and pitching for new business. So uh, it was a fantastic experience for me. Did you? I'm interested. So you did a, you did a degree in management and marketing, but you, you took a job as a PA. I really needed to get a foot on the ladder. My parents mm-hmm. didn't work in, in the city in banking or any of the traditional sort of business sectors. And so I had no network to call upon to get a job. And so really for me, it was just grabbing hold of the first opportunity I could just to get my foot in the door and mm-hmm. see what I could learn. Were you ambitious? I mean, it, it sounds like it, but did you feel ambitious at the time? Absolutely. I think from a small child, I'd always wanted and dreamt about working in the city in a a big skyscraper um, and always just wanted to, I guess, get to where I am today as a a CMO in an organisation. But, um, you know, always looking at where the next opportunity is, where I can get some new skills and some new experience to to build upon in my career. See, you've answered my next question, which was going to be because your next job after that was as a marketing coordinator with Baker McKenzie in Melbourne. So you'd you sort of joined professional services very early on in your career. So can you remember what you know why you wanted that job and how important that job was to you at the time? Yeah, I mean, I I didn't know anything about the legal sector when I first moved into that role. By that stage, I'd worked in tourism for three or four years and and felt that I it wasn't where I wanted to be forever. 
I wanted to get more involved in the world and in, you know, sort of what was happening with all of these big international companies that were operating in, in Melbourne. Um, and this opportunity came up and it was at a time when legal marketing was really in its infancy, I think, in Australia. It was a very small team at, at Baker and McKenzie. And I was the first marketing coordinator they had for the Melbourne office. So really exciting opportunity. Didn't really know what that would entail and whether my skills and my experience would help me out, but uh, thought, you know, just take a leap of faith and, and try and uh, and get there. So, yeah, it was really exciting opportunity and my chance to go and work in one of those big skyscrapers. Well, I was about um, to say, yeah, yeah, so tell me about your first day walking through the doors. How did, how did you feel? Very nervous. Um, I, I really had no idea. I'd never spoken to a lawyer in my life. Um, so walking in the door and uh, into this complete unknown world um, was quite daunting, actually. But luckily, I had a fantastic boss and mentor who was up in Sydney, um, who, you know, sort of really looked after me and, and walked me through the ropes and, and found actually a lot of the skills I'd picked up in tourism of organising events and, and writing copy for for brochures was directly transferable you know different service but uh, directly transferable and and quickly got my feet under the table and and really enjoyed it and did your PA skills help you in working with more senior people in the firm absolutely I think the exposure that I'd had in my first job working with the C-line or C-suite and um, you know sort of senior people from other organizations meant I knew the types of conversations they were having, the decisions that they were making. Um, So I was very comfortable going and and knocking on the door of partners and sitting down with them and and talking through what they needed, what they were hoping to achieve um, with their business plans at at the time. So, um, yeah, I think it, it immediately gave me that comfort in Australia it's also a different culture it's much more sort of collegiate and you know talking to peers Mm. um than you know some European cultures or Asian cultures even so uh you know we were talking much more on an equal footing I'm pausing the interview here to take my first deep dive into what she has said so far there are some interesting observations about how she owned her ambition and confidence but this didn't mean she wasn't scared. Her first job as a PA executive assistant gave her exposure to senior people straight away. And this access to leadership and being party to the conversations they were having and the projects they were working on was incredibly important. And as we hear later, enabled her to become a good leader of people. It's a common mistake that some early career candidates make to decline roles that they consider too junior or too admin focused believing they can be strategic straight away. But a common theme from these interviews is that starting at ground level provides the best and most solid platform from which to elevate your career. Let's return to the interview. And then after just 16 months of being in a marketing coordinator role in your first skyscraper in Melbourne, you moved to Hong Kong. I mean, how did that that come about? I had always had ambitions to work overseas at some point in my career. I 
had spent time as an exchange student just after high school before I went to university and really wanted to be part of the world. Australia, for me, felt um, domestic and a little bit isolated in a way from what you would see on the front page of the newspaper. And, and so an opportunity came up in Hong Kong. Somebody was moving and getting promoted into, an, into a new role. And I just put my hand up and said, you know, I'd be interested in, in doing a job like that if something ever came up. And, uh, you know, next thing I knew, I was being interviewed and about six weeks later moved to Hong Kong. I'd never stepped foot in the place. But uh, again, you know, I thought, take the risk. If it, if it doesn't work out, I can always come back again. And I suppose that, that, I mean, at the time, Baker McKenzie was probably the only law firm in Australia that could facilitate a, a move to another country. But it was still very unusual at the time for marketing people to be able to apply internally for jobs. So you were quite fortunate, I suppose, that you, that, that you were at Baker McKenzie and it facilitated that move. But I'm curious to know, when you know when you got there, having never been there before, having never lived there or worked there before, how did you... What were the differences, firstly, between Baker McKenzie Melbourne, Baker McKenzie Hong Kong? I mean, the biggest difference was was the culture. You know, the first few weeks was, you know, huge culture shock to be living and working in the Asian environment. But Baker McKenzie is and, and always has been a very international firm. You know, people have grown up and spent their careers there. They are partner in the Philippines is is best friends with a partner in in Brazil because they've known each other their whole career and it's so it's it felt like a small world of its own um which made things a lot easier and um and a very sort of open and welcoming environment so you know again um once I got there I found it very warm very welcoming but um a very different client base that we were looking at and different expectations in terms of events and how they're all done much more you know sort of in line with with local Hong Kong culture mm-hmm. um, I moved into a, an Asia Pacific role quite soon after um, moving to Hong Kong and um, and that gave me the chance to travel around the a- Asia region to Japan and to China and to Singapore and you know all very different countries and I think just being very open-minded, very respectful of the local culture helped me to quickly learn and find the right way to succeed. So, um, you know, it was uh, certainly it was an exciting time. Um, but uh, what I really loved was working with some of those big international companies and, and on the deals that you saw on the front page of the FT. Mm. So, I mean, that's the job side of it. So talk to me about the personal side of it. So you've gone to Hong Kong, you don't probably have any friends there and you were there for four years. So how did you, how did you adapt to Hong Kong? What did you do to make living in Hong Kong, you know, an experience that you wanted it to be? When I first moved there, I I didn't know anybody. So it was quite daunting, but uh, Baker and McKenzie is a firm which is um, really built in the local community. And so there was lots of social activities and opportunities to get involved in in local culture. About six weeks after I arrived, there was a dragon boating festival. So I, you know, volunteered to join the team and and get in a dragon boat and and compete for for Baker and McKenzie. Um, But really just taking up every invitation which which came my way and um, and using it as an opportunity to expand my network. Hong Kong is, a, a, you know, an expatriate 
environment and um, people are quite transient moving in and out all of the time and so you build connections and, and make new contacts quite quickly and build really deep relationships. I mean, some of my friends that I, I met in Hong Kong are still friends today. I would consider them family more than friends. We we go on holiday together. We're in constant contact. And, you know, you build very deep relationships because of that experience that you're going through together. But uh, I think it was really about don't say no, open your mind to anything and, um, you know, try it all out, make the most of that opportunity. So you've, you, we've done Melbourne, we've done Hong Kong. And then you go to London. Why? I wasn't ready to move back to Australia. I felt like I wanted to move on from Hong Kong and do something different, progress with my career. Wasn't ready to move back to Australia. I did have a British passport and thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll go to London and do my year in London like every Aussie does. <laughs> um, <and> nevertheless, <laughs> it, it's been a fantastic experience. And that's where you got your first proper head of BD role in in London. You said earlier that it was an ambition of yours to work in the city, to work in a skyscraper, to be a head of business development or CMO. So here we are, you're in London, um, one of the best cities in the world, and you've got a head of BD title for a global law firm. How are you feeling at this point in time in your career? I mean, it's a, a massive sense of achievement, really. I you know, worked hard, I'd taken every opportunity I could, continue to build my skills and and being really focused on on where I wanted to get to, in, including asking my boss at the time for the job. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes you've just got to ask when the vacancy comes up. And um, you know, thankfully I was given that given that chance. But it just felt really natural because of the work that I had done, you know, being an account manager and a BDM and working on pitches and directory submissions and building lots of relationships and and really trying to get a broad understanding of the firm that I was working for at the time. So it felt very natural, but it was a great opportunity to then start to build some of my own programs and to tweak things which I felt hadn't worked in the past. So you know, it was really exciting. A quick reflection here on how she asked for the job. I always encourage people to do this if they want it. Sometimes asking for the chance to do the job can be the differentiating factor between you and another candidate. As she rightly says, sometimes you just have to ask. Where does this sort of throw yourself into everything, say yes to everything, have as many experiences, where does it come from, do you think? I think just trying to prove to myself and to others that I can do it. I I grew up in an environment where you know, I didn't ever feel like I was good enough. I actually remember going for an interview in a law firm. It wasn't Baker McKenzie. It was another firm. And, and uh, the managing partner saying to me that I'd never make it in law. Um, and so his quote has stuck with me all of these years. What's his you know, number? What's his name? <laughs> we'll send him this podcast. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, it's stuck with me in the back of my mind all of this time. And I've just really enjoyed working in professional services and with the people that I work with and, um, you know, just wanted to keep going. Mm. So then you moved to KPMG, one of the biggest professional services firms in the world. How did that come about? I was really looking for a new opportunity. I'd spent what by that stage about 14 years working in the legal sector and never thought I would be able to move out of legal but had you know spent a number of years being the number two to the director of BD at the time 
and wanted to that opportunity to just move out and and um, and do it for myself. So I was open to looking at opportunities and and happened to be having a conversation with a recruiter who mentioned a pursuit leader role at KPMG. Who and he thought I'd be fantastic for it. I will be honest; I really didn't understand what pursuits meant and what their actual job was. But you know, was told by everybody I met at KPMG that I would be fantastic. And uh, you know, even my director of BD, although he was sad to see me go, knew that it was a fantastic firm to move to, and and you know, sort of encouraged me to move along. So you no, know, it was a it was a, a great move. It was very daunting because I didn't know how transferable my skills were going to be and whether or not I could make it or I was going to be on a massive learning curve. But um, found that my experience in legal really put me in a very strong position because I'd had a a much broader scope of experience working in law than going than in many people in the in the big four. Um, The big four is is fantastic environment because it is full of lots and lots of deep subject matter experts. And so I joined a pursuit team who, you know, were deep pursuit experts in that whole strategy of, of pursuing an opportunity and um, political analysis mapping and um, value proposition development and managing and coaching people to go into pitches, but coming in with a much broader skill set in, in BD and marketing and communications, I was able to add another perspective to the pursuits that I worked on. So uh, it was a great move, but uh, again, daunting. <laughs> Yeah, and and there is there is often um, in our in our world of professional services marketing, there's often commentary that the big four are more sophisticated at marketing business development than the legal profession. What's your view on that? It's different. I think the the training and the professional development opportunities in the big four are fantastic, and I would recommend it as a as a job move to anybody who was considering it because that the training and um that I got what in those seven years at KPMG has is been phenomenal um beyond what I could imagine. In some ways, yes, they are more sophisticated, but the size of the opportunities, the relationships that they have with clients means that you know that's required. They are competing against the, you know, sort of the Accentures and the IBMs and the Microsofts of the world for you know, billion dollar opportunities, really. Um, And it's a lot more sophisticated, um, you know, buying processes behind those deals than perhaps, you know, some of the law firm relationships. But actually coming back into law, so impressed by the way that the industry has moved on and the calibre of people in BD and marketing and comms today in the legal sector, I think it's caught up very, very quickly. Mm. And in some ways, some of the um, the programs run by law firms today are, you know, on a par for sure. Encouraging to hear. Yeah. <laughs> you said that when you went into over to KPMG, you had no idea what pursuits meant. I think that's like ninety percent of the population. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your elevator pitch? What what does pursuits mean? For somebody in the legal world, it is a combination of account management and business development and pitching. I mean, essentially, you've got a big opportunity a client is looking at, whether it's, you know, changing their auditor, which they now need to do by, you know, because it's regulated, trying to buy a new tax service provider or implement a new financial system. You know that they have, they that particular company is going to be buying that service from somebody. And so, it's the strategy behind trying to 
position KPMG or the firm you're working for for that work. And it involves everything from really trying to scope out and understand the service or the solution offering of the company, the politics that go on behind the scenes. So, you know, the different decision makers that are going to be involved in in making that final decision and the influences around them, both within and outside of the organisation, trying to understand that and how best you can tweak your pitch to try to win. It then involves really preparing people to go into these challenging and, and stressful pitch situations pulling together all that pitch material, the proposal documents, the commercial material, you know, having a line of sight across that whole strategy and making sure that it is aligned and that it makes sense. Um, If you're going in pitching that you are the most experienced firm in that sector with the strongest team and um, a high quality solution, you don't want to be then undercutting with a a 25% discount. So you've got to ensure every part of that is, is aligned. Um, and keep the momentum up and keep the focus on the client. I must stop here. That was possibly one of the most articulate definitions of what for many is a difficult BD strategy to explain. She didn't know I was going to ask the question because I didn't know. But I'm glad I did because in answering she demonstrates that she truly knows and understands the value that BD people have in a professional services business. And being able to confidently articulate what you do is what buys you influence and credibility. Let's go back and hear what else she can teach us. You mentioned politics there and, you know, uh, professional services firms, law firms, they're very political environments and they're also very high pressure environments. And you've thrived um, in your career working for these organisations. Why? What? Why have you thrived? What is it about you that makes you able to navigate these environments well? Try to avoid the politics. Um, I I build relationships with everybody on an equal footing and try not to get too involved in that politics. But I've also looked for firms which um, have been, you know, quite open and um, less politically driven. I've built teams where everybody is welcome and is respected and eliminated the sort of politics from within the team because we're all here for one one purpose at the end of the day and that is to help our firm succeed so you know we succeed um, and having that supportive environment is is so important for me um, so really trying to um, to avoid that. Mm. And now you're CMO at Walkers um, which was the job you said you wanted when back in the day um, I'm just I'm curious what was the appeal of this particular job for you at that time in your career? Yeah, again, I um, I spent my seven years at KPMG, being, well, the last couple of years being a, a number two to our European, Middle East, Africa, head of clients and markets and um, really felt that I wanted to step out and, and be the number one and, and be in a firm where I could make an impact and, and pull everything I'd learned over my career together. Um, Walkers was really interesting because it's a very different business model, um, being a firm which we have six jurisdictions of law in Cayman, BVI, Bermuda, Jersey, Guernsey and Ireland. It's not competing with the big firms that I'd worked with before in, in London or in New York or in Hong Kong. Um, very different business model where our lawyers are, are situated away from our clients. We rely very heavily on referrals coming in from other law firms and from you know, corporate service providers. And so 
it requires a different thinking. I can't just rely on what I've always done before. And you've got the Asia piece again now. I have. Yeah, it's great actually working back with um, with people in Asia and um, and seeing how that region has really evolved and, and developed um, mm. over the last 10 or 12 years since I've really been there. And you were the first CMO that Walkers have had. Um, yes. When you were at KPMG, you went over there to help build out a pursuit program. It it seems that a reoccurring theme throughout your CV is about change and transformation. But I'm curious, how has your career changed and transformed you? Oh, it, it, it's definitely made me more confident in in who I am. Um, a much, you know, somebody who is really enjoys meeting new people, going to new places, and and learning about cultures and and. Um, yeah, being very open every day to doing something new and different that I hadn't done before. And what advice would Heather today give to Heather in the year 2000, who first walked across that threshold of Baker and McKenzie in Melbourne? <laughs> uh, be more confident, speak up and, and share your views. Um, yeah, I think I, I spent too much time in the early part of my career learning and listening and, and should have shared or, or asked the questions that were sitting on the tip of my tongue because I find now actually working with more junior people in my team they've got some great ideas and actually just listening to what doesn't make sense to them can make you think and look at things in a different way so yeah speak up and share your views. I'm pausing again because this is great advice particularly to people at the beginning of their careers speak up share your views, ask the questions. Because people do often want to hear that you have a thought, an opinion. And more importantly, if you are in marketing, they want to know that you've got an idea. Now, one of the things that we do on this podcast is that we um, we ask the, the, the guests to give us their favourite interview question, which we then ask the next guest. So our last guest's favourite question was, which I'm now going to ask you, what do you need in your career, do you think, to be successful? It's all about attitude to me. So, uh, you know, you've talked about that can-do attitude, but I, I certainly hire based on attitude rather than skill set. Mm -hmm. I look for people who are curious, who are looking to learn, who are open to new ideas. Mm -hmm. And what's your favourite interview question that we will ask the next guest? <laughs> Well, can you describe a situation where you took the initiative to accomplish a goal? Right. <laughs> Good luck, whoever I gets I look that forward one, to hearing then. the answer. <laughs> Heather, it's delightful having for me to interview you personally because I remember meeting you in Melbourne in the year 2000 when I had only just moved to Australia. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure watching your career go from strength to strength really proud of you and thank you so much for coming onto the podcast today well thank you for inviting me it's it's great to be working with you again graham and, and seeing how your business has flourished as well so uh, thank you very much for having me today it's a pleasure